All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 265. It is the first day of December 2021. Get ready, people. It's the last month of the year. This is where sales dreams are made or broken. Uh, this is the podcast where young salespeople come to learn about how to get better at their sales career, uh, what to learn, how to get the next job, how to make more money, um, how to find the right job, whatever it might be. Uh, thank you for joining and thank you for uh, chopping it up with me today. Super excited. Today's episode, I've got an interview with Laura Guerra. Uh, Laura, aka LG, is the VP of Growth over at Pavilion, formerly Revenue Collective. Before that, she was a Senior Director of Sales at Ring DNA, uh, Director of Sales at the Eat Club, as well as a few other sales leadership roles. Uh, she loves you know, fitness, golf, uh, leading, just generally up-leveling herself. And um, we had a great conversation. It's a little bit quicker. Uh, we were on a bit of a tight timeline, uh, but man, we jam-packed a lot of good info and she jam-packed a lot of knowledge in you know a 20 to 30 minute interview. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. I felt perked up. I felt energized from LG's energy. And um, you know, just a quick shout out, like you probably see me tout this on LinkedIn if you follow me there, but Pavilion, again, aka formerly Revenue Collective, if you know that name, has been instrumental uh, for me and for my career and uh, my learning and development. I, I joined just under two years ago, and um, essentially it's, it's a membership community for uh, some thousands of the, the best you know, sales and marketing leaders in the world, especially if you're in SaaS or tech, there's no other way no better way rather to, you know, learn and up-level and just be part of a community with such amazing people that are heads of the companies that you look up to most likely and the most successful SaaS companies in the world. So it's truly amazing. Uh, this isn't a paid ad. It's just, it's just a service that I love membership. I love, I really enjoyed the conversation with LG uh, two quick notes before we get to that first, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this show. Uh, it's coming to you free, but We'd love if you could subscribe if it's on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Uh, if you are an Apple, leave a, a five-star review. That, that helps. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Again, Tom Alamo, that's the best place to check my content. Um, the second announcement is uh, just a word from our sponsor. Postal.io is sponsoring this podcast. There are OG sponsors. Uh, they help create a curated marketplace uh, for salespeople, right? So um, in this digital world, where we're not visiting customers, we're probably not going to get coffees or dinners. You can create relationships digitally. You have to. And one great way to do that is through Postal. You can send anything as small as a $5 Starbucks gift card as an intro for an intro call. You could do you know, a bottle of wine celebrating a big deal. You could even put together a more curated event for all of your top prospects for a beard or wine tasting or something like that, which is really cool. So uh, go check them out, postal.io. Checking them out helps to support this show and they're good friends of ours. So show them some love, show me some love with the subscribe and on LinkedIn, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with LG. Let's go. All right, now on the Millennial Sales Podcast, we have Laura LG Guerra, the Vice President of Growth over at Pavilion. LG, how you doing? What's going on, Tom? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm trying to stay sane amidst all of the Q4 uh, craziness going on. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hear you there. I, uh, my sister's getting married on New Year's Eve. And so I'm telling everyone, please, for the love of God, have whatever contracts that we need, whatever timelines we need. <laughs> Got to do it before then. I don't want to be in between like dancing to shout and like emailing you about a, you know, procurement question. So uh, that's my fingers are crossed on that. That's smart, smart move. I talked to my team about linearity, right? Like not waiting until the last day of the month, last day of the quarter. So yeah, smart move. What's your, what's your tip? How do you, how do you coach on that? I'm curious. So I think it's, you know, integrating some of the, whether it be incentives or some of the stuff that's typically held for quarter end and even actually providing incentives for like month one of that quarter, right. Versus mm -hmm. waiting until the, the third month of the quarter. Um, yep. so that's something that I've done in the past. Um, and also like creating some sort of compelling event, right. It could be a special onboarding, some sort of special launch, um, not necessarily a discount, but some sort of additional offering or incentive on month one, and really just being transparent with the prospect, like, Hey, like a big initiative for us is linearity. It's the first month of our quarter. And so like, this aligns if this aligns with your timeline let's figure out if we can make something happen this month mm. how, how i know that's there's obvious reasons why that's important for the holidays and things can get pushed but that is actually something that my director of sales talks a lot about is the linearity how how important is that for you if you're looking at two reps they both close the same amount of of money um of revenue in a quarter one does it like pretty linearly you know maybe like 25% the first month, 25 and then 50, or one person like closes nothing for two months and then lands it all the last week of the quarter. Like, do you view them differently? No, transparently, no, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, like results are what matter. And yeah. um, in terms of like viewing the rep and their overall performance, that doesn't make an impact. However, it's, it's really just about eliminating risk, right? Like yeah. you never, if you're waiting until the last month of the quarter, which is what like a lot of reps get comfortable, like, all right, like, you know, I dust off the last week of the month, like jitters and anxiety and that push um, and take a few weeks off to let the foot off the gas. Like that's when you should actually be going in head first so yeah. that you can like go into the last month of the quarter thinking strategically, um, you know, any deals that come in great, but you're not waiting and like feeling that sense of anxiety the last, you know, month of the quarter. So totally. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Um, so I, I want to get into your career a little bit. So I saw, uh, CU Boulder, um, D one cheerleader. Is that right? It is. It is. Yep. And then first job out of school in sale, like went straight into sales. Um, so talk, talk to me a little bit about that, like how you got into sales and, and maybe how the competitive world of, of cheerleading, which I imagine you've probably done your whole life up to that point, um, kind of prepared you for that. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a pretty, I think, rare career path in that, like, I knew I wanted to be in sales since I was a kid, which, wow. I, you know, my friends in school were like, I want to be an accountant. Like, I want to be in advertising. And I was like, I want to get into sales. And they were like, uh, okay, like loser. And I'm like, <laughs> look at me now, right? Like, it's a great <laughs> career if you're doing well, like, it's yeah. kind of a big joke. But yeah, so I, my mom was actually in sales kind of in the like, pre-SAS on-prem software days. And door-to-door -door sales. And she's like, this is a great career. You know, if you like helping people, if you like making money, if you like solving problems, like this is the path to go down. Um, mm. And so, you know, just watching her and seeing her success in sales at a young age inspired me 
to get into the field. And so <clears throat> I would say with, with cheerleading, I was a gymnast for years and, and a cheerleader at University of Colorado, go Buffs. And I would say that that taught me a few different things. And I would say like the, the first being discipline, right? And that's why a lot of hiring managers tend to hire athletes, but I think it's more than just athletes, right? Like it's whether you learn a new language, whether you have uh, learned how to um, you know, play an instrument, it's really about mastery, right? Like does this person have the discipline to, to master something? Um, and so I think that's what, what cheerleading taught me at, at a competitive level. And in addition to just like performing under high levels of stress and pressure, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what sales is. It's continuous levels of pressure and stress and being able to be resilient and overcome that. Uh, so that's, I think that is most importantly, what the competitiveness of cheerleading taught me. I love that. So your mom, like all of what you were growing up was in sales and, um, you know, I feel like the the common thread that we usually hear about salespeople, if we're not exposed to that, is like the used car salesman, right? Or the Wolf of Wall Street mentality or whatever it might be. Um, but you seem to have had like a very positive reflection of that at an early age. Like, wow, mom is is kicking ass. She Maybe she's making good money. She's doing really well. Like that was what, and you're like, I want to be like that when I grow up. Yeah, absolutely. Like I saw her like flying on plane, like going to France to close deals, like flying first class, like, you know, yeah. so watching her success um, gave me a totally different view of the field in general. And I think that's why like so many of my friends who didn't have parents in sales, right, had, had it's kind of the, the joke of the, of the group, right? And so um, certainly I think the environment that you, that you grew up in, and that's why like to this day, I'm like with some of my friends, um, that like, aren't sure what they want to do. I'm like, you got to get into like, at least try sales, right? Like I always, that's kind of like the other joke with our friend group is like LG is always trying to get people who aren't in sales into sales. Um, yeah. a, because there's 11,000 open sales tech jobs right now. So tremendous opportunity, uh, for, for people in the craft. Like, even if you're not the most amazing at it, like you can still build and grow and be successful. Um, so huge advocate of just like of the profession in general. What would you, um, and, and I know some friends that have transitioned different careers that they were in for five or 10 years into sales within the last few and have seen success and like, wow, I didn't even know this world existed. What, what would you tell those people if you did, if they did transition over to sales from another job and they were just starting, like, what would your advice be to them? Yeah. <clears throat> so the, the first thing, and this is, this would be my advice to, I guess, not just even sales, but really any profession is, I don't know if you've read uh, The Talent Code by Daniel no. Coyle. It's a, a book that KD had me read. And it's one of my favorite just sales and business books in general, but it really talks about the fact that um, like, while many people believe that talent is predestined, you know, you have a great deal of control over your success and over mm -hmm. your ability to build your skills. And so I think oftentimes, and like, I was one of those people that was like, oh, I was born to be a seller. Like, no, I just always was around that growing up. And I, you know, my first job at a college when I was 16 was selling clothes for $4 an hour plus commission at 16. So I was just always surrounding yeah, yeah. myself and practicing the scale of learning people, understanding what they care about, and then speaking to how I can help solve their, their, you know, challenges. 
So it was something that was practiced over time, but I, that would be my advice to anybody looking to get into sales is just like, A, know that it's going to be hard. It's going to suck. Like, and even for a lot of SDRs transitioning to their first AE role, first six months, building pipe, learning the craft, it's going to be very, very difficult. And, um, you know, so it's it, like anything else, it's just taking an incredible amount of time to build those skills. Um, so. So you were at 16, that was your first job selling. Where, where was that? What the buckle? Uh, the buckle? The buckle. Like a lo local, uh, like belt company or what? It's like a, it's like a Midwest, um, okay. like, you know, uh, gosh, what are those like, uh, trucker hats, like trucker hats and okay. like lucky jeans, like very Colorado. Okay. Um, yeah. I had some pretty cool outfits. Maybe I'll rock them one of these days, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So. So when you got into your first, uh, you know, job postgrad, was that human scale? It was. Yep. So like you have this mentality about sales, you've learned indirectly from your mom, you're selling things at the buckle. Like what was the first job experience like for you coming out of school? Yeah. So human scale is a global manufacturer of ergonomics equipment and consulting. So this thousand dollar ergonomic chair that I'm sitting in right now. We sold like height adjustable tables, LED lighting. So it was <clears throat> it's a pretty old school industry with $500 million company with almost 400 sales reps where we were selling through distributors. So same thing as a car dealership, uh, we would sell to, to dealers as well as directly into companies. So we would call, for example, you know, the global head of real estate and facilities at Uber and say, Hey, I see mm -hmm. you're opening a new building. We should, you know, we should talk about standardizing your equipment with our product. So like, again, not SaaS, super old school, like out of uh, field sales, right? Field sales, we didn't have any sales tech. Um, we had Cornet, like generic CRM and lead list. Yeah. And it was the good old cold call days. And, you know, what I really, how I got into that was just through a, through a connection. And I interned for them in college and just learned like an incredible amount of like the traditional skills that you need to be successful in scale in sales. The first being like presentation skills and public speaking. So that was, is something that's like not often taught in, in, you know, inside sales today. So that was a really big focus at the time. And I also learned that, you know, people like to talk about two things themselves and their work which is why I love being on this, on this podcast today. Uh, but, but like, again, you know, so often like reps get caught up in like my product, our features, you know, me, me, me. Uh, and so that was like a, a really, a big lesson from, from that company. So yeah, definitely interesting to see like how my career has evolved since then, you know, dramatically different than the role that I had after that at will. So mm. So I want to talk about uh, Pavilion for a few minutes uh, because I'm, everyone that, that knows me knows I'm a, a huge advocate for it. It's one of the best career decisions I feel like I've made in the last, I made it about, you know, almost two years ago. Um, first of all, VP of growth, is that just a different name uh, for VP of sales or do you have other responsibilities that you're, you're in charge of too? It's, it's really just a different name. When okay. I joined Pavilion, we were only B2C, right? So anyone listening to this podcast could go online and fill out an application to join the community. Now we are selling corporate uh, memberships. So um, it's, yeah. So it, it really common uh, phrase for, for B2C kind of growth hackers, but 
really the same thing as a, a VP of sales. Got it. So what's the, what has been the biggest difference for you in selling, you know, going, working other places and selling like a physical product versus at Pavilion, it's a membership. It's, you know, there's like all this opportunity that someone has, and there's these schools and events and networking opportunities and knowledge that you can gain, but it's hard to like, really, you can't just like show someone so they can't like touch it and feel it really like, like you can with another type of product. Um, how have you all like gone about that, like maybe in a different way, or maybe it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I've sold, you know, physical products like chairs to mindfulness and emotional intelligence software to food tech, like literal lunch programs and, you know, a, a membership to a community. So the interesting thing about that is, you know, the methodology is all the same. Right. And I like, I think uh, people, people have different sales methodologies, but I, my personal opinion is like, they're really all the same around like this value-based selling, you know, what is the current state? What are they currently doing? Uh, what is, what are the problems? Um, can we quantify the problem? What does an ideal solution look like? And what is the benefit of change? So whether that's, you know, a, a sh shitty chair um, and, and that's causing back pain and that could cause a worker's comp claim. And here's what a thousand dollar chair can do for you and your productivity versus, you know, spending a thousand bucks to invest in your career, in your development, to learn new skills, to meet executives at the fastest growing companies in the world. You know, it's the same approach, even though it's dramatically different products. Mm. What, um, maybe just as like a, a very high level uh, for folks that aren't familiar with Pavilion, like maybe you can just, they might not even know it as its name now, they might know it as the Revenue Collective too. So maybe you could just give yeah. like a quick kind of like 30 second rundown for the audience yeah, too. For sure. So Pavilion is a career enablement platform really designed to help, you know, our members get to the next level of their career. So whether you're an SDR, whether you're an executive, a CRO, a CMO, we have various programs around peer-to-peer -peer learning. So grouping you, if you're an AE, with other AEs, if you want to become a manager, we'll network you with managers, with other executives to learn from. Um, so we've got different topics of channels around sales development, sales enablement, uh, enterprise best practices, prospecting, you name it, where you can ask questions and get feedback. We also have a variety of courses and certification programs where you can take sales development school, sales school, uh, frontline manager school. If your goal is to become a manager, we also have a rising executive program. If your goal is to, you know, become a director or eventually get into the VP role. Oftentimes these skills aren't taught, even though I knew I wanted to be in sales. Like I didn't study sales in school. I just yeah. kind of had to learn as I, you know, learn on the fly um, as most people in revenue roles do. And so that's really what we're providing along with a number of kind of career enablement services. So helping you find a job, helping you negotiate the best offer, Every, anything you might need to level to become better in your current role or get that next role that you're looking for, you can find within the community. That's a hell of a pitch right there. Well, at least I'm doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I'd love to hit you with a few um, rapid fire uh, style questions for the next like few minutes as we're, as we're gearing towards the end here. Um, so first I want to get to, we're big learners on this podcast, big readers. You mentioned the talent code earlier. I'm curious if there's any other books that have either made a, a big impact in your career 
Um, any that you've really liked even just reading this year, it doesn't have to be necessarily sales related. It could be really anything, but just curious if anything comes to mind. Yeah. So the qualified sales leader by John McMahon was a great mm -hmm. one. That, that was great. And definitely not just for, for sales leaders. Um, another one is, uh, oh gosh, uh, first break all the rules, which was my first management read. And also, um, just, yeah, one of the most eye-opening books that I can still remember years ago. Um, so, and then retention point is the most recent one that I read all around specifically membership growth and really the importance of, of retention as a growth strategy, which is a very popular topic right now as a result of COVID. So those are some, some recent ones. On, on the topic of the first book you read as a manager, um, I feel like a lot of people in the audience are either aspiring to be a, a manager or our first time managers, it's a tough role. Um, any tips that you'd give to your former self, like the first time that you led a team? So I would say, and this is, I'll first share a piece of advice that I got that was my North star for getting the role that I, that I want at any given point in my career, which is my mom always told me like, act it and you will be it. If you want to be mm. a manager, you act like a leader on the team, right? You've got to be a leader first. It's not like, well, I'm an AE. So like once I get promoted to manager, then I will step into a leadership role and a management role, right? If you are an AE and you want to get into management, you are going out of your way to help onboard new reps without your manager asking you to. You're checking in with them. You're asking your manager, hey, can I mentor this person? I noticed they need some help in these areas. Uh, hey, you know, I've really, I've learned a lot of new techniques in prospecting. Like, would you want me to lead a weekly prospecting session on these things? Like, it's not my job, but I'm going to go above and beyond to help you out, right? If you help your manager and make them look good, they will help accelerate your career because they won't want to want to lose you. So I would say that's like a piece of advice that I've always embraced um, that's helped me get various roles. And then... Um, I guess advice to myself in terms of what uh, what I would tell myself as a first-time manager is, and this is a common mistake that most first-time managers make, which is like, we want to be liked, right? Because I stepped into a role where I was managing my peers. So just having a transparent conversation of, you know, and really just even, and this is where, you know, plug here, frontline manager school right? Any, so I didn't really have any management training. So I really just wanted my team to like me. And I felt like that's what would have, that's what would motivate them versus really thinking about accountability metrics and a sort of operating cadence that would make an impact to have that level of like separation. Cause you can still be, you know, an energizing and motivating and, and an inspiring leader while not trying to be liked all the time. Mm, I love that. Also, your mom just sounds like a badass. Can we just put that out there? We got to get her totally on the podcast. Is. She totally is. <laughs> um, all right. What's next question? What's bumping in the LG Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to music? Like what's what's going in the headphones nowadays? Okay. So um, the first thing is Drake. Any and all Drake is, Respect. is like my number one, you know, artist of the year for probably the past few years. Um, Justin Bieber. I mean, okay. 
just it yeah. is what it is. I'm a believer. Um, <laughs> and like, I would say the playlist is like chill R&B is kind of like my, you know, late night on the laptop, looking at the forecast, like, you know, chill or old school hip hop as well, yeah. or kind of like the two stations on Spotify that, um, that are my go-tos. I love it. We're right. We're on the same page on, on all of those. Um, I got two, two more for you. Um, anyone that you've been following recently could be like a LinkedIn follow. It could be good podcast that you listen to. It could be YouTube channel or, or whatever it is that, however you kind of like learn and take it in for information, but anyone that stands out or shows that stand out or blogs that, uh, you've been tuning into recently. I think so where I personally have been learning the most hasn't been from, uh, from LinkedIn or, or blogs or things like that. It's been through my executive mentors in Pavilion. I actually just mm. before this podcast got off with um, Russ Mikowski. He's one of our consultants in the community. So I'm personally grateful that I am also a member of Pavilion still. However, with that being said, I would say I still do learn a lot from, from LinkedIn. Kyle Coleman is fantastic. I follow him. He's great. Kevin Dorsey is great. Follow him. Um, and so those are the, uh, um, I'm blanking his name, Florin. He's an SDR leader with some really, really great uh, tactical pieces of advice for either SDRs or SDR leaders. Florin. Um, I'm blanking his, I'm blanking his name. Um, but yeah, those would be kind of the, the main, the main players. Got you. All right. Last question. Who should come on the millennial sales podcast next that, you know, who, um, who should come on the millennial sales podcast? Let me think about this. I know lots of great people. I would say, uh, uh, and this is, I I'm saying this not because he's my little brother, but Steven Guerra, if you, if you do like family editions, yeah, um, that would be kind of fun, kind of cool, but he's an, don't tell him I said this, hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but he is an absolute rock star and okay. he's smarter than me. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's an, an SDR leader right now and he's built SDR programs from the ground up. He's, you know, pretty successful for where he's at in his career. And I've learned a lot from him as far as breaking into enterprise accounts and just really kind of tactical, um, you know, sales development techniques. So I think he would be kind of a cool guest. And uh, the other person I would say would be, um, I guess what, who would you be looking for? Like a, like a leader or an individual contributor or. Uh, Either one I've had, I've had anyone from an SDR to CEO, you know, all, all on here. Let's get Sam Jacobs. He, I had him on. I I'll get him back. Let's get him back on though. Yeah. Let's get him. (laughs) Let's get him back on. And then the other person I think would be, um, I think, uh, Caitlin, uh, over at charge B, um, Mm. uh, she's the head of global enablement. She would be a really good person to have on as well as, uh, let me think here. Let me think of a strong female leader. Um, look, look at these referrals, everyone. This is how you get them at the end of a call. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, this is how you do referrals. 
Um, Katie Ivy would be great, uh, as well as um, as well as Jen Spencer, who was actually recently promoted to president at SmartBook. Um, okay. She was actually promoted for a few in a few different executive level roles at SmartBug, also a member of Pavilion. But I think it's pretty rare that you find a female in that uh, in that position, and she's just fantastic. So hopefully that That's gives awesome. you a few people. That's great. Yeah. And and I've never had the family. I've never had like a sibling. Uh, duo of, of podcast guests in my years of, of doing it. So that's fun too. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll be going for Steven. LG, uh, I know we're at our time here. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, maybe just before you go, let us know where's the best place for folks to hit you up uh, if they have questions or want to connect. LinkedIn or in Pavilion Slack. That's it. That's it. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Bye, Tom. Thanks for checking out that episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast. We're in the home stretch. November and December of 2021. Let's close this on a strong note. Please make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening here. It'll help me grow this show and provide better content for you. Otherwise, hit me up on LinkedIn, Tom Alamo. I'll see you there. Peace.